Welcome to Iconic, where we talk about all things 13th Age. I'm your host, JM, and with me as always are Nick and Mark. Hey. Hello. Well, we've got a great show for you this week. We are going to be talking about magic items, how to make them, how to use them, how to reskin them, how to take them away from your players if you've given them too many. But let's start off, guys. How's how's gaming been? How's the week been? Any Any new exciting news? I dropped a bombshell on my players this week, and they realized the consequences of fiddling with time, and they had quite the shocked reaction, which gave me unending glee. Excellent. What happened? Uh, so in, in a past session, one of the players used a cipher to stab the one of the big bad monsters. This is your Numenera. This is my Numenera. Right? Okay. Yes. Um, and the effect of that cipher is that it... It went back in time and killed one of that monster's ancestors, thereby mm-hmm. erasing that this one from the timeline. Um, and considering that they were one of my big baddies, I knew that was going to come back and bite them. And it did. And they now have consequences from that. And now they realize that they have consequences. And it was, it was quite re- rewarding to see that. Excellent. We'll have to do an episode on the consequence list, which yeah. is... Uh we should just do that sometime. What yeah. about you, Mark? Anything interesting going on? Uh, yeah. Uh, my darker game, they've finally decided they need to face the dragon but in the dark eye they're inquisitive and like magic so they don't have to fight it they can talk to it right and try to make a deal that the orcs have already made a deal with them kind of push the hands when they showed up there's already two sacrificial victims staked out a la dragon slayer waiting for the dragon to come and devour them and that's where we ended so be interesting if they're going to try to fight them which there's only three of them so i would say it would probably be a tpk but you never know you know, right? Dice, critical dice, dice. With Amy. Yeah. Um, but they can definitely talk to it and try to make a better deal. They've talked about, well, maybe we can get on our side. Nah, I think the best you can get is it won't join the orcs and attack the castle. So we'll see how that goes. And I joined your 13th age group, which I had a lot of fun. You did. Yeah. Up the demonologist that we talked about earlier. Yep. And it was a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Nearly well. died. This <laughs> uh, did a lot of damage, but yeah, he, he went almost... Almost croaked. Well, uh, and thanks to Aaron for making those Darrow. That was a lot of fun to run Darrow attacking a dwarven bar. Stupid Darrow. Stupid Darrow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. Well, today we're going to talk about magic items. For those of you following along at home in your books, magic items can be found in Chapter 9 of the Core Rulebook on 283 through uh, the end of the chapter. Uh, Just to kind of review real high-level stuff, if you've been running 13th Age, you know that... Default bonuses don't stack. So if you have two plus one swords, you still only are at plus one. You get a plus one from adventurer tier, plus two at champion, plus three at epic. And you get to your that bonus applies based off what type of item it is. They really took the third edition and the fourth edition idea of item slots and simplified it a lot. So that general items provide general bonuses. And you can use one item a level without consequences. What are the consequences of using more than your max amount of items per level? Uh, One of the cool things about the way that 13th Age runs is that the magic items aren't just a static number bonus extra ability that you get. Um, Each item comes with its own little quirk to it and usually has some tie-in with whatever the bonus is that you're getting. And as long as you are under your max um, item level, which is whatever your level is, um, then you are able to maintain full control over what those quirks are. You can suppress them. You can lean into them, whatever you want to. But once they start tipping over what your level is, that's when they start taking control of you and uh, start shining in ways that you may not want or expect. Yeah, I like the way they describe that 
<clears throat> magic is alive. So mm-hmm. it's not just a static plus one sword. It is yeah, they've a taken sword on, of something. Yeah, they've taken on some sort of, maybe not sentience, but definitely some sort of personality trait of either the person who created them or the person who was wielding them when they awoke. Uh, true magic items in 13th Age. There's no such thing as just a plus one sword. Yeah, no, that's, that's what I liked about yeah. the way older editions where you had... For the very powerful stuff, you know, intelligence, and you had the ego and fighting with your mm-hmm. sword because you could be smart, might knew more languages, and it allows the GM to throw some things out there. Hey, it knows this or gives you a hint at something because it's been around for a thousand years. Right. Now, rules is written, magic item quirks. Sounds like we all like them. Is there anything, like, that you don't like about the way magic item quirks No, no, work? I like the quirks. Okay. I mean, it's kind of like the consequences thing of... Okay, you've got all this magic, you're great, but you like to stretch in front of people or flex in front of people and look at me or whatever the quirk is that you're doing that adds. And I think most more experienced role players that get into that, I just don't want to hit, be hit, be hit. It's the little quirks to add to role playing. I think it helps. I think that's also it's maybe it's weakness is that it is a, a role playing uh, consequence. And so if you have a player who may be struggling with role playing and they s- start stacking up all these magic items, how, how is that really going to be a, a consequence? Right. So then it's either on the GM to be mindful of what everyone's magic items are and what all of their quirks are, um, and then try to inject that in as consequence of, oh, your singing sword suddenly started singing when you were trying to sneak through here um, or something like that. Um, yeah. Like I said, maybe helping our last game, we had a lot of people, but if you have that one person that's kind of quiet, that's why I'd maybe make a note on that person. Okay, the quirk, sword quirk is this or the armor mm-hmm. quirk and help pull it out of them to get mm-hmm. them involved. And it's okay to act kind of funny at the table. Yeah. You're playing a character. Now, one thing that I like to do when I hand out magic items is I, I like using the icon relationship roles like during mid-game. So if somebody gets an item and I don't have anything planned, say, all right, Nick, give me your icon relationship roles, see what comes up, and use that as a basis for who built or how the item was awakened to true magic and then kind of what the, the quirks are. What, what would make things easier to create quirks on the fly for new magic items if you're not just pulling them out of the... The book or the book of loot. I'm trying to think of something I could pull from or if you want to make kind of a table of some quirks. Oh, yeah. Out of the game, you just make a quick little 100 items and just quick roll percentiles and go, oh, look, you 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 lose your hair because this is, you know, the the hero Anne's past was a bald dwarven hero. So you're going to lose your hair, lose your hair and grow a beard. Oh, I like that. You know. Just just make some roll tables, go to GURPS and look at their quirks list. Yes. Remember, so remember GMs steal from everyone. That's right. <laughs> it's very easy to port over ideas from different systems, especially stuff like that that's fluff, that's no set. You know, it can go to any game. All right. So well, let oh, one, go ahead. Uh, one other challenge with uh, having all those different, the different magic items having different quirks is trying to keep track of all of the different quirks. And even, I mean, some situations it's going to be natural for those different quirks to work together. And then other situations it's going to be seemingly very difficult to do that. Um, what do you guys think about the idea of mm, having that first quirk be the only one? And then every magic item you get after that makes that quirk that much more pronounced in your character. So I like that for artifacts, and we'll talk about that a little later. I have a GM like player sheet that I have that I keep trying to refine. And just what you said right now, I think it would be nice to add to the party sheet 
just a, a section for magic item quirks and mm. may, you know maybe you you only need I mean you really only need 10 slots in theory and I could I could definitely see like and we'll talk about this a little later like rules for enforcing quirks but I could definitely see all right Nick's a six level person he's got six magic items all right I'm gonna he rolled a natural one in combat or I rolled a consequence uh, for his icon intervention. Excellent. I'm going to roll a D6 and say, all right, for the next scene, this quirk has taken over. You can't suppress it. You know, work yodeling into, or or as I did that in that one ill-fated Numenera game, forced Richard to rap the whole time until it yeah. got on my nerves and I let him <laughs> stop rapping. Uh, and one last thing is, in addition to having a limit of how many magic items you have per level, you also have um, a single slot per chakra. Right. Um, so you can't be carrying two magic swords. You only have one. And if you get a better one or a different one, you have to make that choice about letting, relinquishing it or moving on. Never. I mean, there are a number of games that we like that have similar rules for consequences of carrying too many things. If you uh, if you go and check out the Numenera core rule book, they've got rules for you know what happens if you're carrying too many ma- uh, too many like, ciphers at the same time. So let's get into selecting magic items for your campaign. There are really, in my mind, two ways to do this: kind of the classical way, and then the fourth edition way, which I really enjoyed. Let's start with the classical way. The GM selects all the magic items, either randomly pulling them from the table, pulling them out of the adventure book, randomly rolling, as I tend to do, for what, what the group finds. What, how is that usually implemented in games that you have, you have seen? What are the pros and the cons of the GM kind of managing the magic item economy? Well, as a player, um, it really boils down to you get what you get and you don't throw a fit, <laughs> um, which works well. I mean, I, I think that all players are kind of greedy for more magic items and whatever you end up getting, you get excited about whatever bonus that is, even if it may not be the one that you would be hoping for. Um, but at the same time, I mean, everyone could benefit from an MD, even though if you, even though you may never really get um, go up against anything that's targeting MD. The idea of having players choose them in advance is kind of uh, intriguing. I don't know exactly how that would really play out unless you just had like a maybe a, a bowl to draw from or something. Yeah, but, we'll get we'll get to that uh, yeah. here in a second. I, I it's worked a couple of times. So, Jim, in favor for the GM selecting. It's okay, maybe when you're starting like a character creation to get some ideas of what you think would be a neat for our camp, you know, for the campaign, for the campaign. Like you said, a lot of players would get out of hand. And this is definitely a high magic thing. You're the heroes. You go out, you defeat dragons and demons, but it's very easy to give something and go, wow, I just broke the game because now this gnome bard and plate mail and two-handed sword is killing everything. And everyone else is kind of like, eh, because he's just defeating everything. So yeah. You have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. As the, so you're saying, as the when a GM is giving out loot, you've got to be careful. Like be careful, of- and that's you know, and they like like Nick said, players want magic. I played for many years, and it doesn't matter when you're that first level, second level character, and you find the magic sword. It's great. And then it could be like, oh, it's only plus one. But yeah, it should be magic. It should be special. Yeah. Um, and I try to tailor it to the group. You know, mm-hmm. if you've got. Like now I've got, you know, a, a dwarf, basically a dwarf fighter, a mage, and kind of a ranger type. It, it, throwing out something for a blessed one in that game, cleric, doesn't do a whole lot because there isn't one. Right. Like so randomly rolling one and going, oh, look, it 
But still, it adds. So you have to try to, well, I mean, something specific that that, that yeah. person could only use. It's kind of like, okay, you have it. Then you get into the whole economy. Do they sell it? No, you shouldn't. And they even talk about it here. There aren't shops that sell it. Mm-hmm. You get something as a reward. Right. So it, it should be special. So I kind of tailor it towards the characters that we have to be something useful. Because again, you don't want to get into, hey, I've got, you know, I found this quiver. Nobody has a, a bow. <laughs> Can I sell it in town and trade it out? You don't really want to get into that. It kind of skews the whole, the thing. whole like the, yeah. You just don't have shops like that. Yeah, yeah. So now, what about setting, uh, choosing magic items around a single icon or a set of icons? So we've talked before about running a narrow icon game, and one of the you know great things about the book of loot is that the loot is divided up among icons. What do you guys think about maybe running a a game where well, you know what, like. At least the more powerful artifacts, you could set up adventure champion and epic tier based on the age of the icons. So maybe all of the the adventure tier gear is the new stuff that's been made by like the priestess or the high druid or cast offs from this age's uh, archmage. But man, if you could get something that the Lich King made, that's definitely epic tier gear. Because it's the older, you know, kind of the the idea, like the Tolkien idea, that the older something is, the more potent it's. Yeah, and that's looking at like the you can say the the true magic, the artifacts. To me, is more of late champion when they get into epic that Mm -hmm. they'll go find it. It's hard if you have a really big group because you want to kind of let everybody shine in that icon themed part of the campaign. It's just hard when you have eight or nine characters. How you're going to go around before you're done? You know, there's mm-hmm. so many levels. Um, but in a smaller homebrew group, it's I think it's much easier much than easier to go, to okay, we've got four players. Here are the icons. Four that icons intersect. that are the main players. Mm-hmm. Each part of the adventure and champion tier and, and, and epic tier, we can go and kind of get that. For some reason, you as they discover something or hear rumors or right. get sent on the quest to recover the ring. The ring. Well, that actually leads into an interesting topic about uh, set items or campaign quest items. Uh, my One of my favorite second edition adventures is the Rod of Seven Parts. I, oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. man. Such a such a good adventure. Yeah. I will probably run it at least two or three more times in my lifetime. But yeah. you've got, we, and more recently, we've seen things like that in like the critical role, like the vestiges um, or campaign quest items. And I and I put down here, you know, things like from Dragonlance, the Orb of Dragonkind or the mm-hmm. Dragon lance itself yeah, and i put down the, the hand and eye of vecna which i would relate to the lich king yeah or it says the lich king doesn't have a hand and an eye missing and you're going to find it and it's going to give you great power or the uh the often used head of vecna as a trap for unsuspecting players oh you just didn't cut your head off fast enough uh let's do let's cut the next person's head off even faster and see if the head reattaches mm-hmm there- so if you're going to have a, a series of magic items be a part of your overarching campaign, um, and as the players progress, they're collecting more and more of these, would you allow for those magic items to become uh, more powerful and provide more powerful bonuses the more that are gathered? Generally, what you'll... what Yes. The short answer is yes. I mean, that's kind of the point. And maybe it's, maybe it's just something as simple as your character, you know, you're playing Maris the Cleric, um... You find a mace of St. Cuthbert, and its quirk is it wants to be reunited with the regalia of St. Cuthbert. So it's right now a plus one mace that does X. Well, maybe if you get the helm of St. Cuthbert, which is a champion tier item, now the mace is a champion tier item as well, and Mm. the two things unlock a third bonus. And then 
the quirk of the helmet is it wants to be reunited with, you know, the hauberk and the mace. And once that happens, both the helmet and the, the mace become a epic tier item along with the hauberk. And just kind of this idea that because magic items are special in 13th age, I think there's more of a precedent and more of a, like a rule of cool factor, if you will, of the items you have becoming more potent as opposed to, hey, this has been a really sweet mace, but now I found this better mace, so I'm going to leave this one behind, mm-hmm. even though it is a true magic item. Yes. I guess like, part of the deal when they talk about it is you bond with your magic item. And, and I've actually run this long before 13th Age came out with 3.5, where you find a plus one sword, it's plus one sword. Might have quirks, you don't know. You hit second level, you hit third level. In this case, you're going from adventure and suddenly you become champion. And the sword's like, okay, you're worthy. I, yeah. can, I can communicate with you now and kind of let you know. Yeah. And it's a plus two sword. You become worthy enough that I can now reveal more and you're mm-hmm. worthy enough. So they had one of my favorite supplements in 3.5 was, I think it was called Weapons of Legacy. Uh, but I mean, second edition had a lot of the same thing where you found a weapon. Or a magic item. It could be a ring. I mean, it, it could be anything. But the more you fed that quirk, for example, or in the in the older cases, the more you were in line with the goals of that weapon, whether it was sentient or not, right? So if you had an axe that liked killing orcs, and that was the quirk, loves to kill orcs, the more you did that, the more you bonded with that weapon. And the GM could say, okay, well, this weapon ha- at third level you've gained since you're using it, it does this thing now. And then at fifth level, it does this thing. I think it would be very cool and unique to do a series of maybe one magic item per class and stat it out for 10 levels and say, here's, you're not going to get as many magic items. And that was uh, Midnight. Did you ever play Midnight uh, for th- third edition, the fantasy flight setting? It was, it no. was a lower magic setting. But the way they balanced with that with it was that most magic items got better the more you use them. So you didn't have a lot of them, but the one that you had. Yeah, I can't. And, and I didn't come up with this on my, on my own. I, I kind of stole it from but um, I think we call them legendary weapons. I can't remember where I read it, but it becomes more powerful with you. But then when you die and move on, you've left something special with the sword. You've given it a new power for the next person. Yeah, mm. I love that idea. I use that in my uh, my Tanar game. Yeah, so if time. you're the hero, you pick up, what did Beowulf use? Sword? Spear? I don't remember. Why? I, anyway, you pick up yeah, his the, weapon. Well, the, or Hercules, well, you pick up Hercules' club. Yeah. He's done something. It's not just a club. It's his club, and it's got some maybe extra quirk because he welded it. And as you'd use it, you'll leave something, maybe an extra quirk or something that it does at epic tier. I kind of like that as you go along and you'll leave it. I think about um, in the 13th age game we've been playing when Matt Rez died and no one really had a use for his crystal sword. Um, it would have been interesting. I, I, I could have used it. <laughs> you weren't playing then, though. It would have been interesting to have um, even his ability to, who thinks he can talk to animals, have that be a part of the quirk um, yeah. of the sword. Had yeah. someone picked it Whatever up. Whatever weird thing that you come up with that's not a quirk of your weapon, make a note. It's now a quirk. Even, and again, even if you just left it, it's lost. GM makes a note, crystal sword now has this extra quirk. Yeah. Well, and I love the idea of, especially in a world that you have, like your version of the Dragon Empire, or if you have your homebrew setting, 
that you keep coming back to, like Tanar, right? Like Nick's played in three or four Tanar games. There have been items that have shown up now in mm-hmm. everyone, and they now they do have special new things that players have have left. Uh, the last one being uh, Keloth's bow. Like he has this bow that has shown up a couple of times in the campaigns, and now like I've got emails with him going because I'm starting a new one in August and saying, "All right, what?" Did Keloth's time with the bow leave on the bow? Well, the other the other option we had is the uh, is the player selected magic items, and this was something from Fourth Edition because Fourth Edition really like magic item economy was way different than any other. Maybe not way different, but was different enough from other versions of D anD. d You mean the correct editions? <laughs> Listen, after second, <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. No, I really enjoyed fourth edition. But what they said was, "Hey, there's so many magic items. There's so many cool things that tie in in various different ways with classes. That what they recommended was you go to your players and say, give me a list of items that you would like to see being found in the game.' Which I think with Thirteenth Age." Would work as well. Say, all right, Mark, you're you're a demonologist. Give me four magic items that you would really like to see your demonologist come in contact with. And then that kind of, I mean, that's another way of the players giving input into the game that you can use and abuse them with. I mean, uh, that yeah. you can use to... <laughs> that's what I said. Maybe at the beginning we're doing like character creation and you get this list... And, and I would even suggest to them, say, don't just design it for yours. If you have an idea for a magic item, put it out there. And just let them know, don't expect to see everything. Right, yeah. Because that's not the idea. Like, Here, give me a list of stuff that you want by six level. It's, it's give a, me some ideas. All right, well, let's now talk about the GM giveth and the GM taketh away, or at least how to both hand out and, if you need to, roll back magic items. Now, one thing we were kind of spitballing is the idea of how to maybe change the way magic items interact with players and one of the ideas we came up with was maybe maybe bonuses don't stack for the same chakra but you could use any items up to your level and the special ability stack because that's kind of how it works in 13th age glorantha if you get multiple body bonuses or body hero quest gifts you still only get the highest effect but you get all of the little minor effects so one of my thoughts was what if what do you guys think about maybe doing a game where Okay, Nick's five, you know, fifth level. He can have five magic items. And if he wants five rings, maybe a legend of five rings. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, he could use all of the special abilities of them, but he gets no default bonus from that because there's no bonus for rings. And also, there's no. So you tied in the slot saying he's a fifth level, he has five rings. That's. All That's gets. all he can. No he, cloaks, well, no crowns, no yeah, boots. Yeah, I mean, he's still. Then, then you get consequences going up above that. Yeah, consequences, but yeah, he's those five are okay. He's not over his limit, and we'll change the rule for a similar. Yeah, and I can see that, like you said, with somebody that wants to take Amy Dextrous and be a two-handed fighter, two swords, two axes, yeah. two scimitars. That's definitely an interesting idea. I, I think that the the one of the cool things that I like about the Thirteenth Age magic items is that they're not all just static bonuses. They each mm-hmm. have their own little unique, timely effect mm-hmm. that go with them. And so I can see how uh, the appeal of maybe stacking those up, but not really stacking up what all of the different plus ones to your AC. You know, if you're, if you've got three or four different items that all give you a plus one AC and then one gives you plus two, maybe take the, the highest, highest one, the two, Yeah, but then you get each little special uh, effect from the individual ones. Right. And maybe narrative wise, it's not that Mark is wearing 
four sets of armors. But, you know, maybe your armor is actually a bound demon and you can sacrifice other magic items to it and incorporate Defeated. their special ability into. I want that. <laughs> Note to self, add that into the 13th Age game. But there, I mean, 13th Age is all narrative, so we can do stuff like that far easier, I think, than far more within the bounds, I should say, of the implicit setting of the game than, say, with like third edition or something else. Mm hmm. Well, while Mark was talking, um, a thought occurred to me about having some sort of mechanical consequence to having too many magic items, because up to this point, it's really just a role play mm -hmm. effect. Um, what if you started having negative modifiers? Well, my initial thought was, well, I like that. And I think you're in the right ballpark. Um, the math of 13th age is so bounded that a negative modifier is huge. You're obviously, in your game, you can do whatever you want. My thought was something along the lines of, if you're carrying too many magical items, then at the start of every scene, I'm going to make you make a save. And maybe it's a, an easy save at one item over, and it's a normal save at two items over, and it's a hard save at three items over. Or you could tie it to icon relationship roles when you roll a five or when there's a complication and say, listen, you're going to you're gonna play this this quirk or I will enforce this quirk mm. for this next scene. Um, yeah, and I think you maybe instead of saying, okay, you go over your limit because you're toting around three swords, can't use them all. So you make that save, beginning of the round, and if they fail, they spend that first round deciding which sword to draw. <laughs> yeah. So there's no penalty in combat once you get one in your hand, but it takes you around to figure out which sword am I going to draw. Yeah. Or no, take me. No, take me. Well, yeah. I'm the better one. And they're <laughs> arguing, and, and so you lose a whole round, which well, sometimes can be devastating. Oh, yeah. And in Nick, and in your example, Nick, if you wanted to do a negative modifier, like if they fail that save, they're dazed for mm. a round because their magic items are talking too much for them to concentrate. We've all been in that room where there's too much going on that we can't hear ourselves think. This need the last convention. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Like... There's your minus four. Drop, drop some magic items because they're you can't control all that you're carrying. So considering that the magic items aren't really bought and sold, if a player does find themselves carrying too many magic items, what are the options to dispose of them other than just dropping them on the side of the road? I, I like Rob's idea. It's on page 192, if you look in the book, where on the cusp of losing a battle, you sacrifice your weapon, and that somehow vanquishes the foe. Weapon's gone now, mm -hmm. but you've so you avoided, avoided it and you don't have a sword. Yeah. You just have to leave in a cave. Here, I'll take this one, leave that one type thing. Well, I also like the idea of like what you were talking about with Matras. There is just a time for like if a, if a player died in a battle, like maybe we leave we leave some things with his cairn to or her cairn to oh, yeah, I mean, honor our it, fallen It kind of goes with the trope of why would you go into this old tomb? Because there's a magic sword in that sarcophagus. Yeah. I know there is. Well, so and, you leave his items with him. Mm -hmm. Or as a or as a consequence for a uh, icon relationship role, the player could go, you know, Nick, you've got a, a, a relationship with the Crusader. You call in your icon relationship role and it's at a... Uh, there's a consequence or it's a five. As the player, you could go, okay, well, my contact who helped me out here, his payment was one of these magic items. Or to steal from another game, because we steal from everything here, from 7th C, I would allow you to, if you're going to, you know, Mark's going to the Crusader and asking this high-level uh, Paladin Crusader for aid. Hey, I found this demon blade. Let me turn it in for an icon relationship 
token for this this session because I'm trading favor for favor kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could also see if you have a negative relationship that maybe when you're knocked unconscious or die, that ethereal hand from the Diabolus comes down and snatches that demon blade and says, it's mine. And it just disappears. Yeah. Probably wouldn't want to go too heavy handed with that. No, that would maybe when you, okay, they've got too many and it's not working out and it's a problem. Yeah. Something like that. Or like you said, just maybe where someone dies and you had the crystal sword and you didn't know what to do with it, it goes away. It's not really punishing anyone else. No one else can use it. No one else wanted it. What do we do with it? It goes away. It's taken back by the icon. Or have it be a plot hook. You know, yeah, if, plot we, hook, if we yeah. know that the Lich King is the one who stole this after he I got knocked unconscious, then all of a sudden I'm going to want to go track him down wherever it is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. work to get it back. Mm-hmm. And that would potentially buy my character time. You know, if, if we're talking about me at a three level and I had four magic items, well, now I'm working to get that fourth magic item back when I hit fourth level. Or, I mean, you could always... If the players have given you a list, right, and and Mark really wants this armor that eats other armors and incorporates their special, he's yeah, okay, (laughs) yeah, okay, um, maybe instead of giving him something at level three that he can't use to level four without consequences, maybe he gets the information on where the thing is at. Now you've got a quest. Now can you convince the rest of the group to go after this armor? So we kind of talked about how to hand them out. What circumstances do you feel like it's okay to take magic items away? Maybe you come across, you know, the player who wants to get rid of some. Maybe you come across the fact that you gave, you made something and it's so game-breaking that you need to roll it back somehow. Which is hard because you've really made somebody's day. Right. Um, they might not realize it right away. You know, especially if it's to throw away out there, you know, an epic tier weapon or item and they pick it up at third level. It's way out of their league and it's going to skew the game. Um, not that you can't make things harder for that person, you could say to help balance it, but you're going to punish the rest of the group in that because they're not ready for that. Right. Or, or they're stealing everything, you know, they're stealing the show because they're, oh, look, don't worry, I've got this because I've got this awesome item. Right. So, yeah, you have to be careful. So, there, so, yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, so I, it's hard to say, hey, if you have, if you're, I would say it's harder, like, you know, the game that you're running in the local game store. I don't know your relationship with everyone that sits down to play, but in your homebrew, it's usually pretty good friends that you're sitting down with. And that's where you have an out of game conversation going, you know what? I really made a mistake. I gave this to you too early. Let's dial it back. Don't worry, you'll find it again later. Yeah, or but this is more appropriate for when you're eighth level, not now. Or if if I need to, let me not take it away from you, but let me tune this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tune better. it down to mm-hmm. it's not like you have no white magic, but instead of doing all this, let's narrow it down to something more appropriate to your level. And just have that conversation and it's it's seamless. You just continue on and they they don't do that anymore. You know, whatever the fantastical thing is. And it might not seem that way when you're making it. I remember the first time I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be great. Let me give him a flying carpet. It's so great. It can't be that. <laughs> Wrong. Right. Because players will learn and twist it and use it ways you didn't think of. Well, and. Which isn't bad, but sometimes you're like, wow, that, that I really should. That was too powerful. I shouldn't have given him that. I've done it. I've done it more than once. And I think that your your comment on talking to the player is always a good 
a good option. Yeah. But there are other instances where... And don't let it go on for long. I mean, it's one of those, you play a couple sessions, you're like, okay, it wasn't just the dice tonight, <laughs> versus letting it go on for like six months, and they're now two levels higher, and it's still too powerful. And you're like, dude, yeah. we got to scale it back. And you're like, dude, I'm playing six months. I'm, you know... All right, but that's so that's her feelings. Then, yeah, that's if you make an item. But other, what other ways? Like, what other times would it be okay to to take a magic item from from? Well, like Nick's idea of it gets taken. Maybe while it was a really tough fight and it was a campaign loss, and we were able to go grab Maris and drag her body out. She didn't die, but. By gosh, we left her mace there, and we go back to look for it. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Now we have to go find it. Yeah, and, I think and now it's a quest to go find the item that we didn't pick up when we grabbed her body. So that it's gone, and we'll find it later at a higher level. Or maybe you'll or find not, something or different. different. Yeah. yeah, but something like that where you're like, oh. I think the campaign loss is, is a great point uh, in the game to say, okay, well, here's the cost of the campaign loss. Who leaves a magic item behind? I mean, that's usually the kind of stuff that I'll pull with, like, Quest culminations as well. All right, I, if you and, want, and I don't if know if I'd ask them, I would maybe have them roll and just in your head say, okay, whoever rolls high or low. No, I would, I would leave. And make it I random. Would. No, because somebody's <laughs> like, well, okay, I'll, I'll leave this item that I don't really care about. No, make it that the oh. crystal demon slaying sword. Oh, sorry, Mark. In the chaos of getting out of there and grabbing the body, you put down your sword and forgot to pick it up and it's now gone. <sighs> I like it. That's even worse than what I was thinking. So. Well, I mean, I, I've done a lot of things where it's like, yeah, you want X, you really want X, you really want the information on where this person is. Cool, I want that armor, like or a, like a bartering chip. Yeah, or the uh, in the Burning Wheel game. If you're sorry, guys, I guess we're not getting this information. <laughs> uh, in the Burning Wheel game, where it was like, uh, you want access to this one magical location that. Uh, no one is allowed into, and the guardian kind of stands guard over it. One of you has to fight him, and if you win, that person has to be the new guardian. He'll let his friends in. Not everyone plays in the group with Christopher, who That's is true. willing to sacrifice his player. Yeah. Um, what about you, Nick? What are your thoughts on... Well, I kind of had that, uh, that type of situation come up in my Numenera game uh, a while back, where rather than fighting the the boss, uh, they decided to negotiate with it uh, to gain an artifact that they were seeking. And um, what I ended up having them do in that situation was trade two for one. And so he had, he actually had two artifacts and they ended up swapping out four of the magic item artifacts that they already had and then gained two more, which worked out well. Um, There's one of the players I think regrets them offering one of the artifacts that they had. Um, But from my perspective, he was the way he was playing. It was just a little bit overbalanced. So I wasn't um, moaning that loss too much. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the, uh, that's one of the player perspective fallacies is that deals should always go in their way. Mm-hmm. No, the NPC you're dealing with, especially if it's something like a dragon or a devil or an icon, they're not going to give you the better end of the deal. Right. And you may be able to negotiate it to maybe almost fair, but two to one sounds like just a fantastic mm-hmm. ratio. I do think that uh, Rob and Jonathan have given you an, another out if you need to get rid of something and that is found on page 184 of the bestiary uh the rust monster an oldie but a goodie a monster 
created specifically because Gary felt like his players had too many magic items and he wanted to. And that's get not rid the only that. one. Uh, the if I remember right, the, the beer. It was so hot. Remember, the, like the ice. Yeah, yeah that would. It, it would was so hot that it melt. Yeah, I lost. The, and <laughs> the but Mark's not frost bitter giant, about this anymore. Y'all. Yeah, my magic sword <laughs> failed the saving throw. Lost it. Didn't find another blank sword in that whole cave <laughs> complex. Yeah, they could also feed uh, rituals too. Yeah, you know, you're, that's you, perfect. You walk away with the physical weapon or armor, but left, the essence, but the the living magic inside of it has been uh, consumed. Well, and I've I've had uh, games where I've run where people, you know, you've got the mace of Saint Cuthbert, for example. I keep going back to that because I'm a big Greyhawk fan, and when you need to talk with the saint whose essence is bound in the mace. Well, congratulations. You can pull it's him really out. It's really just an oaken club, if you remember it. <laughs> That's right. You're right. It is an oaken club. Uh, when you... Uh, like When you pull the, the essence out to speak with the saint, now the saint gets to move on. He's no longer trapped in the, mm. in the item, and congratulations, you have a big lump of wood. Uh, it's also like a log. <laughs> um, well, let's talk briefly about making magic items. You guys ever done that in your games? Oh, all the time, all the time. Now, and that, and a quick hint: if if you think it's too hard, just simply look at the magic section. They give great examples, so you can use those as they are. But it's not a problem to take something that they put under, say, an arrow, crossbow, bolt, or slingstone special, and put it on your sword, or take something from the armor and putting it in the ring. Yeah, you can you can mix so and match, steal those, mix and match them. Yeah. It's not set that it, you can't put. Lethal strike into here. Lethal strike. You deal plus one d ten damage on a hit. Put that in a sword. Oh, put that on a ring. Put in a ring. Yeah. yeah. Bracers. Your monk gloves. Yeah. Sandals. Well, I think that's where the there's that mechanical aspect to it, but then there's also the thematic aspect to it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you can adapt the magic items to fit largely any theme. Mm-hmm. Oh know? yeah. Okay, this originally, you know, in the book, this says this is under the Great Golden Worm, but I want to use it for the Hydruid. Okay. Just, just find a way to re- Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just reskin it. Reskin and, it. And, it's a, and and fiction is a great thing. Yes. Just go to the books that you love. Why do you love them? I'm almost all fantasy has some sort of magic items, mm-hmm. be it weapon, ring. Well, and then you've got, um, so 13th Age Glorantha, you could take any one of the Hero Quest gifts and turn them into a magic item. You could also you go to Ash's uh, Deep Magic Supplement, and that's just filled with with powers, with you know, with spells. Put one into a ring, slap a recharge on it, and call it a magic item. Yeah, I mean, if it's powerful, make it hard. If it's eh, it's not that big of a deal, then make it a normal, normal or easy. Yeah, normal. Yeah. And that's one of the nice things about 13th Age. You can, when you're making your own magic item, I said here for my for me. Uh, in a home game, I'm not super worried about it because I'll tell a player, hey, Mark, I've given you this thing. We're going to see how it works. And you can adjust how often an item is effective by adjusting its recharge rate. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has no recharge rate. You get to use that once per heal up. Okay, that's very narrow in its use versus something that's even an 11 recharge. You've got a good chance that it's going to see twice in a heal up. Maybe three times. If you get a real lucky player, you could actually see it happening once a fight. All right, you've got these dials that you can mm-hmm. you can push and pull with, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. And if you're doing it for publication, the the best thing I can say is 
post it on the 13th age site, post it on Vault of the 13th age, get some, get some feedback from other 13th age GMs. Really just. Yeah. And there's a guide you can, again, kind of use their guidelines in the book to kind of give an idea um, for published. And so they'll also let you know, hey, it's a great idea, but we're going to tone it down. Yeah. Or, hey, it's a great idea, but we're going to amp it up. Yeah. Well, between all of the examples in the core book and in the uh, True Magic uh, Book it? of Loot, and in the Book of Loot, um, you can extrapolate what seems to be balanced and what doesn't. Right. Well, and, and you don't have to stay within the bounds of magic items. Um, you can use tattoos. You can use blessings. You can use lost techniques from dragon hunters of the the fourth age. Um, you could do blessings like 13th Age Glorantha. Mm-hmm. Magic item is a catch-all term for something which imbues magic that the player has access to so maybe it is a special monk technique that you can only learn in this monastery in the giant walk maybe it's a demon that gets bound into your flesh and that's what you know you have to kind of give up part of your flesh to the demonologist to use or the crusader to use this a lot of different ideas but i mean we've talked around it a little bit let's kind of condense our thoughts here how do we as gms come up with ways of enforcing the quirks of magic items. I've run games where I don't care, where I'm just like, listen, let's play this much more close to the F20 roots where a magic item is a magic item. But I've also played games where the the, the true nature of magic items has been very important and upfront. Um, and as I've said, I normally say like, you know, you rolled a one through five, you know, natural one, one through five, whatever you want to call it. Cool. One of your quirks goes off, and I'm going to roll a die to see which one, and you have to play that. Uh, if you don't, maybe I say, all right, you're going to start the next five da- fight dazed because this thing's clamoring for your attention, and and you're not paying attention to it, so it's just going to scream louder at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like those. You could also start drawing the unwanted attention from certain icons. You know, maybe the Dwarf King is wanting to come after you because you have more magic items than, you know, you you hit that threshold where, you know, you're the magic, the compressed magic that is resonating around you is uh, being able to be picked up by their detection spells or whatever. So the Prince of Thieves may be coming after you to try to steal something or like I said, the Dwarf King is wanting one of his magic items back. Mm -hmm. I think it's also a great way to, to just mess with the players like we had the high weirdness and i was uh on at the 13th age game and the whole time i was thinking like how great would it have been t- if one of the darrow had a power that you know attacks mental defense and if it succeeds all of the magic item quirks immediately go into effect and it's so disoriented that you're weakened mm. you know just because now there's things screaming in your head that only you can hear how are you supposed to focus on fighting the Darrow? And sometimes too, just pulling a, a player aside, especially if they're an experienced player who can really embody those quirks, and maybe just pull them aside. Hey, listen, I'm I'm going to spring something on you this session, and I want you to go take it full tilt. Yeah. And the the quirk about I don't know this cape thinking that they're an opera singer suddenly plays out, and then for the rest of that session, that player has to do everything in opera. Yeah. 
And I think as I a GM, see a guy with a cape pretending he's Dracula. Yeah, <laughs> oh, playing man. across his face. <laughs> he has to walk around. Yeah, we've talked about negative consequences, but I also think that we could be rewarding players who are playing up their quirks. No, oh, definitely. You know, give them an icon yeah. relationship role. Give them just just say, sweet that I, that dwarf king artifact that you've been playing this whole time. Next session, your icon relationship role with the dwarf king goes off. Uh, on a th- on a four plus or a or a three plus because you've yeah. really been connecting with your inner dwarf king, so to speak. And I think it's there are always going to be some players. Um, and we kind of saw it at the montage on our game. Some people are just really not outgoing mm-hmm. and don't want to say something. So it's kind of hard to get them. Hey, play up this quirk. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it is. I mean, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. I, games that are point build to let you take disadvantages. I always take them. They're mm-hmm. great fodder for the GM, and they they make it interesting. Yeah. Sometimes you got to play it up, though. When you're coming about disadvantage, too, reminds me of that some magic items can be cursed and have it may be a little bit more powerful than what might be balanced, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. there's a some sort of negative aspect to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind ones that are give you a bonus, but they're cursed, so that something happens. I never liked the old first edition of, oh, look, you pick up this cursed sword and it's worthless and you can't get rid of it and yeah. wants to kill you. And you're like, I picked up cursed swords that were, you know, negative to hit, mm-hmm. crit, you're, you know, just you're always injuring yourself. It was a useless item. Well, I mean, and I, I enjoy making cursed magic items that have a clear benefit, but also have a clear detriment. Like maybe this thing does one or two less dice than you're normally rolling, but... You heal half of it. Okay, well, now I have to figure out, is it worth doing less damage overall to gain some healing recovering from it? Or healing, or, you know, it does really good damage, but you're going to take a quarter of that every time. Mm -hmm. So that at least has a benefit. Okay, I'm going to take some damage, but I can do something. But, yeah, there used to be... Don't just just give them a cursed item that's totally useless and I can't get rid of, because then you're like, oh, thanks. I'll never pick up magic (laughs) again. Well, any final thoughts on magic items before we wrap up the show? No, they're fun. I mean, yeah. like I said, it's more than just plus two to hit, plus two to your spell, or easier recharge. Make them put in those quirks. Give them some special abilities. I like that. I'd say for the players, really lean into those quirks. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. When you create your character, you have an idea of who he or she might be. But as you start obtaining your quirks, have that actually affect who the character is in your mind. Yeah. Good discussion, guys. I, I feel like that was a that was a solid one. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, thank you to Pelgrane Press and Petri's Family Games for our sponsorship. If you're interested in supporting the show, please check out our Amazon referral program or our Patreon page. Thanks for listening. Well, you've been listening to the Iconic Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can contact us at iconicpodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 720-924-1706. And be sure to check out iconicpodcast.com for news, updates, and new episodes. Thanks for listening.